Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. I, uh, I love Go Big. It's such a fun thing that we do. And honestly, it was the first time in probably over 10 years that I actually didn't volunteer. I talked to Garrick a couple weeks ago, and he was like, dude, we're, we're full. We, I don't need you to do anything. So uh, Kate and I actually scored a couple of date nights last week. Come on, somebody. Like, I'm like, maybe, maybe Go Big should be kind of a holistic family ministry event, you know, in the coming future. But um, I really just want to thank all of you volunteers. I know so many of you, if you think it's hot here in the morning, you should come back in the evening sometime. It is, it is cooking in this room. You put 100 little wiggly bodies in this room and it gets even warmer. So uh, it was an amazing time. I, I peeked in on, on Wednesday night. It was night three of Go Big. And Katie was the storyteller that night. And uh, Garrick kind of comes up to me, nudges me. And he's like, I feel like there should be an altar call. And I was like, well, yeah, like <laughs> she's sharing the gospel, you know? And I'm like, There's, obviously we need an altar call. So he, he kind of gets up and he, he brings the point back to, to a land and just says, hey man, just want to invite any of you kids, like if you want to follow Jesus, if you want to lay down your life and follow after him and you know that you can trust him, would you just stand up? And I mean, uh, there are several of us in the room, dozens of kids just stood up right here. And, and the pastor in me always goes like, yeah, well, you know, I, I really want to know the actual numbers, you know, like how many, how many kids gave their life to the Lord, which is, which is stupid really, because it's like, there's kids that are just, that are responding to something the Holy Spirit's doing. And that is the beauty in all of it. Um, and so they, it's a sweet moment. They go into their next little classrooms and all the leaders there then ask in their next smaller classrooms, hey, how many of you actually did just pray that prayer for the very first time? And, and we counted seven kids, seven kids who prayed that prayer for the very first time to follow after Jesus, which is incredible. And for the further cynic, maybe in some of us, that's like, yeah, but I mean, come on, they're, they're eight, you know, like what kind of decision could you really be making then? Can you really choose to lay your life down and follow Christ at that age? And some of you, you know, you're nodding because you're like, yeah, I made that decision then. But I think what was full circle in the moment was you saw uh, Michael Kiefer in the video. He was the, the big guy with the gray, the gray beard, white hair, and he was a storyteller one of the nights. And uh, he actually gave his life to the Lord when he was nine out of EBS. And so it's this beautiful moment that, uh, man, we, we never should neglect or overlook what God is doing in small seeds of faith like that. And so just a really beautiful time. And again, thank you for all of you that helped out. It is not a, that is not an easy event. I just, there, I mean, there, at one point down here, there were probably just 20 kids and it was like a mosh pit is all I can kind of equate it to. They were just going nuts down there. Uh, so man, praise God for all of you uh, who helped out. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, we are going to continue. If you're a guest with us this morning, we have been uh, in a series going through the book of Mark, the gospel according to Mark. Um, Katie preached last week. I think she did uh, just an outstanding job showing us as we've done the last... Oh, there you go. There you go, babe. Um, we've been considering and looking at the kingdom of God and how that is Jesus's main message when he comes on the scene. But there is another kingdom that's at play in the world that we're living in, and that is the kingdom of darkness. And she reminded us of that last week, um, gave us some good practical ways to identify the kingdom of darkness, how we give it uh, power over us when we agree with what it's doing, and how ultimately, though, we don't need to fret it or worry or stay stuck because Jesus has ushered in an age of victory. 
right? And so I thought that was a good reminder. And if you missed that last week, I would definitely just encourage you to go back and watch that. Um, I thought there would be no better topic on this kind of Independence Day weekend, right? We're all just ready, like Taylor said, go blow something up and have some fun this weekend, get some, get some food going on the barbecue or whatever you're going to do tomorrow. And so I thought it'd be a great time to talk about early first century uh, Jewish cleansing rituals. So with that, let's turn to Mark. What? Mark chapter seven. All right, here we go. I'm joking, but you will see that it does. I think it makes a lot of sense and is actually very relevant to us today. So um, open up if you have your Bible with you to Mark chapter seven. I'm going to read a a good bit of scripture here this morning. And if you want to just read along on the screen, it'll be there as well. Because it's longer, I'm going to kind of break it up with some explanation as we we go here. So um, Mark writes down, he says, Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, to Jesus, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless their hands, unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. So let's just pause right here for just a sec. This is not like some COVID thing that's going on, right? This is not like uh, them noticing the disciples' hands are nasty and they're like, man, did you see how gross they were eating that food? Um, this, was, this was them uh, recognizing, uh, we can all agree, right? I mean, you may still be angsty about some things that happened during COVID, but I think we can all unanimously agree that the hand washing thing, that was good. We should keep that, shouldn't we? Like if you use the restroom, wash your hands. Before you eat your food, wash your hands. Okay, never mind. Maybe you don't agree with me. Maybe we can fight in the email later. Okay. But what's happening here, we'll kind of see it as it's unpacked. Because it's more, it's more than just they didn't wash their hands before they eat. It's not the mom of the group like saying, hey, make sure you wash your hands before you eat. This, there's something deeper going on. It says in verse 4, and when, and when they come home, oh, I'm sorry, verse, verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the traditions of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches, which I just think is a cool concept overall. Like how many of y'all have a dining couch in your house somewhere? Any single dudes that have a dining, ho- dining couch in your house somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, it's just me and ESPN and my food tray, you know? Like, let's, let's do it. Um, I, just, I just think that's funny. It says, and the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do you, your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? So notice the kind of setup here of something that is clean versus something that is defiled. We'll keep going. Um, and Jesus says to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written? Jesus, I mean, just zero to a hundred right away. Um, this word hypocrites, like I think we just, it gets tossed around so loosely today. Uh, you can call somebody hypocritical pretty cheaply, pretty easily. Uh, this word is very like potent. Um, it's actually, it would actually be like a stage term where people would actually wear two different masks and be two different people. That's kind of where this word comes from. So, so it's like in one moment you have this mask on and then in another moment you've taken that off and now you're this person. And that's what he's calling the Pharisees right here. He says, you hypocrites, you two-faced lying guys. Like this is unbelievable. I mean, he is, he is instantly all up in their business, right? So he says to them, to, to make it even kind of more strong, he quotes from the prophet Isaiah. He says, well, didn't Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain, as in it's worthless, it's meaningless, it's, its value is nothing. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. It says in verse eight, you leave the commandments of God. 
you leave the commandments of God, you leave what has been written, you leave the law, what God has given, and you hold to the tradition of men. He's going to explain what he means by that phrase right now in verse 9. He says to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. Right, we all are familiar with that. It's in the Ten Commandments. It's one of the top ten of God's rules. You maybe had it on a sign in your house growing up somewhere. Honor your mom and dad. If you are a mom and dad, you know that verse because you've maybe recited it a time or two to your own children. Hey, honor your mom and dad, right? He says, you have a fine way of doing this. For Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Wow, I do not quote that part to my kids. Grace abounds in my house. Verse 11, but you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained for me, from me is Corbin, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. Okay, this is a little like nuanced here a little bit, but there's basically this like, I, I almost think of it like the, how a pirate can call out parlay or whatever the par- parlay is, right? They can like kind of get out of jail free for just a second, you know? This is, there's this, there's this, uh, there's this opportunity that's given in the law that if you were to give your property or give your land and surrender it as a gift to the Lord, that's called Corbin, and, and Jesus is calling them out because he's saying, you're doing that so that you can neglect your father and mother. So you've kind of found this way to use the law for your benefit. Maybe it's a puff, probably, to puff yourself up and, oh man, I'm just so holy. This is just a gift set apart for the use of God. And Jesus is like, I see through your heart. I see through your fake religion. You're doing that simply to make yourself feel better, to neglect the fact that you are called to honor your mom and dad. So that property should have been used, that that was possession should have been used in some way to take care of your family. And another way, you're giving it away to God and you're saying, oh my gosh, it's Corbin. It's it's set apart for God's holy use. And Jesus is like, I see through it. You're just doing that so you don't have to love the people around you. So that's what Jesus is calling them out here. He's saying you're, you're, you've elevated now the rules and the traditions of the elders. What he's talking about there is, is there were 613 laws in the Mosaic law, in, in the Torah. Um, that we see, you can read about it in, in the first few books of your Bible. You can see all these different explanations of the law. There's 613 commands that are given, but what they had to do was, was the Jewish people had to kind of interpret what some of those things meant. So for example, it would say, uh, keep the Sabbath as a holy day and use it as a day of rest set apart for the Lord your God. And so the, like, the religious people of the day would then sit there and go, well what, well, what is rest? What does it mean to set it apart? And what they would do then is create a custom or a tradition verbally that had been passed down now for thousands of years to the point that it gets to at this point where they've now made cleansing ritual uh, It needed to be abided by by everybody, which in the law, though, it was only meant to be abided by the priests themselves. So they've now created this law that is stifling rather than to be what it was meant to be by God, which was a a distinct marker on a people so that they might reflect his glory into the world they're living in. But now they're using the law as this tool to create all these different nuanced rules to elevate themselves and create distance between other people. And so he says, you've elevated your tradition, but you're neglecting the commandment of the Lord. The first and greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. So they've created these traditions, not just with Sabbath, but with cleansing rituals, with all these different dietary restrictions. They've they've inserted all these interpretations to it. 
And it's created all of these restrictions now that they're creating distance between them and the people that God would have them love. Does that make sense? So the Pharisees, they're just kind of the worst, right? Like the bad guys, always. Jesus is always hard on them. And I thought of this this morning. This might date me just a little bit, this reference, but, but it's like that moment in Batman with Harvey Dent, Two-Face. I know. He says, you either, you either die the hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain, something to that effect. And I think in church, what it, what it can kind of say is, you either die or rest in grace or you live long enough to see yourself become a Pharisee. Like this is what happens. We just, we just so easily gravitate towards all the different rules and we create all this different separation and distance between the people that God would have us love on the fringes uh, of the culture that we're living in. And we create all this separation and distance. And what we do is we, we puff ourselves up with different rules or different things that we've created for ourselves, a different way of living, which in some ways is, is good. I mean, we talk about this all the time that we, we should look different than the world, but never, never, never at the cost of engaging with some of those people. So we never elevate ourselves up in these rules that we've created for our own life. Like I, I, I have a rule of life that I'm gonna try to, to order my day in a way that starts with the word. But as soon as I take that and I, and I use it to like look down my nose at people who don't start their day reading the word of God, who don't check off their Bible reading plan, uh, and now we're in July, right? So you should be halfway through. Yeah, everyone should be halfway through. How many of y'all gave up at Numbers, Leviticus? You just, you're done there and you should be almost through the Old Testament at this point. And we do this kind of thing in church where we hold this as some sort of chip and some sort of playing card, but we're so much better and it's just not true. The longer you live in grace, the more likely I think, and I've observed, that you are to neglect that grace and you start puffing yourself up in some of your religious activity and that creates distance from the world around us. Isn't this true? Isn't this true? And so what we have to keep in mind, three points. Following Jesus means listening to Jesus. Following Jesus means listening to Jesus. I think the whole story here um, is it, it finds its crux in verse nine. This is kind of like, this is the moment right here where Jesus says to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. I just, gosh, I just love that snarky line from Jesus. Man, you're so good at this. You just, you are exceptionally gifted at doing this thing wrong, <laughs> you know? but you have this fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Okay, keep in mind, um, in this moment, what Jesus just did is he just made all of the, all of the dietary restrictions, he, he renders them void. So let's jump back into our story here real quick. I'm gonna pick it back up in verse, uh, in verse 13. He says, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. Verse 14, it says, and he called the people to him again, said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside of a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defiles him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. Just, I always want you to just be encouraged by that phrase right there. It's like, yeah, 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 church, I got it. I got, amen, that was so good, pastor. And then later they're just like, what? I don't understand. I just think that should encourage all of us always. He said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not into his heart, but into his stomach and is then expelled? Jesus just goes like physiology, one-on-one, -on -one. digestive system, one, 101, you know? He's like, it goes in, it goes in your stomach and he literally says, and then it goes into the toilet. Thank you, Jesus. 
for that profound revelation today. Thus he declared all foods clean. Thus he declared all foods clean. This, I just, I want us to feel how hard this would have been for the Pharisees to actually believe. They, they have grown up with a tradition. They have grown up with a custom that certain things were unclean, that certain things were not meant to be eaten, certain things were not to be participated in. And Jesus goes, all in one moment, he says, there is no such thing as unclean food. So, I mean, listen, this is enough for us to go back into worship this morning that Jesus says this word right here. Because there's shellfish, there's a lot of different seafood that is on the list of no-nos in the Old Testament. But the biggest thing, I believe, is pork. Pork was unclean. Always, no part of the hooved animal was, was clean. So now you have pigs, and you have bacon, and you have roasts, and you have ham that all is back on the menu, boys, right? It's like just, it's amazing. It's amazing, right? Okay, but... I'm being silly, but, but just think about how this would have felt. That you grew up your whole life living a certain way. And some of you grew up in a legalistic environment and you know exactly what I'm about to say. Where you grew up in this way where there was no grace. Where you had to live by a certain way. There was a certain set of rules. And if you got it, you questioned if you were even saved. You questioned if you were even going to heaven if you just broke this little rule. Grace was, grace was a distant topic. And you grew up knowing this certain set of rules and you grew up in that. And now all of a sudden Jesus comes to the scene and he says, hey, that food, it's fine to eat. How many of you know the Pharisees were probably tempted to go eat, but still felt like they couldn't go do it, right? Like there's just something about us that we just, we, we hesitate to trust when it grates against our human tradition. And that's wrong. Following Jesus means we listen to Jesus. So here's just the quick question. I don't want anyone to shout out any answers or clap or do anything like that. Roe v. Wade gets overturned. Is what you think about and how you respond to what just happened is that informed by certain talking heads on the news? Is that informed by social media? Is your response informed by your friends, by experts on the subject matter? Or is your reaction to that moment informed by the scripture, informed by the word of God? It's worth asking. When you think about sexuality and gender and pronouns and everything that we're living in right now, are you just listening to your friends? Are you just listening to your teachers? Are you just listening to uh, different people that you see on TikTok or Instagram or whatever? Or are you going, God, what do you, what do you have to say on this matter? The, the economy, how we handle our finances, how we treat our marriages, are we just going to the world for answers or are we letting the voice of Jesus guide our life? That's the question. I, I just, I so think it's easy to get swept up into the rhetoric of the day. And so how, how do we continually listen to Jesus' voice? I think it's just, one simple way is, man, the plain reading of the text is probably the right one. Have you ever thought about that? Just, what does the Bible have to say? People want to make the Bible just seem like it's some like codex that's super hard. You got to like line everything up just right. And you got to like have the dial turned in and then all of a sudden it unlocks and all the words, you know, there's like 16 letters across the page and it just spells out this word. And that's how you read the Bible. And it's super complex. It's not. Like, I mean, we have a list here at the end of this passage Verse 20, Jesus says to them, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For what from, from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery. That's the big stuff. This is the stuff that we, this next list is the list that we like to just act like is okay, especially in America. Coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, all of these evil things come from within and they defile a person. 
Following Jesus means listening to Jesus. It's not me and my feelings and my opinions and my thoughts being pressed into the Bible. It's letting the plain reading of the Bible form me. That's what it means to follow him. And if we have elevated uh, our friends' voices or news voices or, or whatever social media voices, the culture's voice, if we've elevated that to the point where it has the same amount of authority in our life, then we have, listen to me, failed to worship God rightly because we are taking other things that are not as valuable as him and we are giving those things esteem to speak into who we are and what we do. And that is a failure to worship God in the way that he is meant to be worshiped. The way God is meant to be worshiped is going, God, what do you have to say on this? You are God. You're the ancient of days. You're the one who's been here long before I ever was. I am a speck on the continuation of time throughout the universe. What do you have to say on the subject? So we read the Bible, we read it. We ask what it has plainly. And yeah, there are confusing texts sometimes. And for that, I think you talk to a pastor, you talk to somebody you trust, you find some good online articles. Please, you just, you do not go to TikTok to find that person talking about some text that they just pulled out and now want to make a whole point out of. You go, what is the church, uh, how has the church interpreted this historically? Because there's a lot of stuff happening in the last 10, 20, 30 years uh, that, that the church thousand years ago would just laugh at. Some of the creeds, some of the things that were established early on. We go back to those. Find yourself a dead author to read. Again, don't just find some, some influencer that you like because they, they have a cool filter on and because they, they like the certain sound in the background. No, find yourself somebody who's been dead for a long, 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 long time that was in good standing with the church. And you read that person, you, you consider the weightiness of their words knowing that they're not influenced by the culture of today. They were influenced by the culture of their day, but they're not influenced by the, what we're seeing right now. So we continue to follow Jesus and we listen to his voice. The second thing out of this that I'll show you is we have to follow Jesus as, as we're pursuing a person, not some set of moral code that we're trying to live by. So often Christianity is just reduced to a certain set of behaviors. Do you do a devotional? Do you pray? Do you go to church? Do you, um, do you get in a small group? Do you serve? And I think all those things can for sure be an outward reflection of a relationship with Jesus, but don't get it twisted. We are in pursuit of a person, not in pursuit of rules. Right, the Pharisees have made all of this about the rules. That they're saying like, man, well, you, what they're saying about the cleansing and the washing, um, they'd made this rule. They're like, well, technically, technically, like you don't know who you're bumping into when you're out there in the marketplace. I mean, there could be defiled people all up in that marketplace. And what if you accidentally came into contact with somebody? Then you could be defiled. And so you have to wash before you eat anything, lest you let that defilement get into you. They made all these certain like subsets of rules and it's not about the rules. Like, do rules exist? Yes, they absolutely do. But folks, we, we are pursuing the person known as Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Like, and we, that's, why, that's why I think it's so valuable to just go through a gospel. And I, I hope, I hope that you're not just depending on me to teach you about Mark. I hope that you're reading it yourself this summer. Read through Mark, read through Matthew, read through John, read through Luke. Understand the life of Jesus and go, God, I wanna be like you. I wanna follow after you. I want to spend time with you. The more that we make this about rules, the more we're going to be transformed into just moral people. And, and uh, please hear me, good moral people don't go to heaven. People who have given their life to follow after Jesus, who have laid themselves down to follow him, those are the people that are cleaned from within who get to go into heaven. You can be as morally upright as person as, as anyone. And that is not what gets you saved. That is not what matters at the end. What matters is what you've done with this person, Jesus. Third point, 
following Jesus, if we're going to follow after him, we have to understand that, that Jesus is in the business of cleaning us from the inside out. It is not up to us to clean from the outside in. So I think this cuts two different ways in a church like ours. The smaller way, for the smaller set of the group sitting in front of me right now, there's some of you that you, you don't feel like Jesus can touch your past because it's just too messy. And so you're maybe even here today because you're trying to kind of earn a little more uh, like kudos from God. You're trying to earn a little more uh, attaboys from him. You're trying to put a little more wins in the win column, a little more, few more marks in the W column. And so you're just trying to kind of clean yourself up so you can get here. And I'm just saying, you can't clean yourself up enough. There's, there's no amount of OxyClean for your past that can make you look better to God. There's just no, there's nothing that you can do. Every person sitting in this room is here by the grace of God alone. There's nobody sitting next to you right now that deserves the seat they're sitting in. We're here by grace. We are here because Jesus has paid it all for us that he has brought us in, not because of something we did on our own merit or our own standard. That is why none of us have a reason to boast. And so just so we don't get it twisted, church is not this like stadium seating for the cleanest people in the world. It's for people who know that they're in desperate need of the cleanliness of Jesus on them. And so I don't, I don't care what your track record looks like. I don't care what your past looks like. Jesus loves you. His grace is sufficient. He has paid for all of your sin, regardless of how messed up you think you are. And he can heal, transform, and set you free. He can begin that work even today if you want to let him. The bigger group of us sitting here today are those that, that know that grace exists and we've sat around church for a long time and we're starting to drift into operating into our own strengths rather than continuously operating in this dependency on God, right? That's most of us today, where we just continually um, keep putting our own effort and we try to keep exalting ourselves based on what we can do and what we can accomplish and who we can become rather than rest in the grace of God. I thought to myself this morning on my couch, it was like 4.30 in the morning, I thought, man, how, how wonderful that this, this, this sermon falls on the 4th of July weekend. Because I can't think of a group who's more unlikely to ask for help than Americans. Right? I mean, let's, I mean come on, we can laugh about that for just a minute. Can't, like, nobody's going to ask for help in this room. We are a pick yourself up by your own bootstraps culture, aren't we? We are, if you are in the pit, it is, it is your fault that you're there. You should work your way out. That, that's who we are to some extent. And we all feel that. And so I think, man, the invitation this morning is to just let it go. You can't save yourself. What, what's continually making you better is grace, not, not your earning. It's not something that you have done. Even, even all the effort that you get to put forward is a grace-driven effort that God has just said, come in here, son, come in here, daughter, rest in me. Look at who I am. Look at what I've done. Jesus, for the record, perfectly clean. No blemishes on his record. When you, when you surrendered your life to him, you, you took the record that belonged to him and you, you put it on yourself. God gave it to you. He clothed you in his perfection. And so now when God sees you, he doesn't see, he doesn't see your effort to get up early in the morning and read your Bible. But he's present in those moments because he's a person. He's not, he's not going, oh, wow, man, look at your attendance record for church. And even in 2020, it was incredible. You didn't even miss an online gathering. It was insane. Now he's saying, I love you and I want to be with you. 
And does he want you to gather with God's people? Yeah, I think he loves being in this room with all of us together. But it's not about the rule that we have to be here. It's about the fact that we get to be with him. And, and, and there is just, I, I know it's here because I struggle with it myself personally. There is a level of, of just like a, a spirit of a Pharisee. There's a level of legalism that exists in this place. There just is. And part of it is we just refuse to ask for help. We refuse to just surrender and go, God, I just, I just need you. I don't know where to go. My Bible reading plan, it feels dry right now. I don't know what to do. God, I haven't prayed in months. I mean to, I'm I'm at church. I just haven't, I haven't been praying. I've been carving out time. And and, and the legalistic side of you is like, okay, I'm gonna have to muster up some more routines and rhythms so that I can jump into a quiet time at 6 a.m. in the morning and I can get in and get going. And God's like, would you just rest with me? Would you just be with me? Just even right now. I asked Caden, first service, he had no idea. I, I had no idea. She's like, hey man, I just felt during worship, I felt like God gave me the words, um, I can experience grace for you. I can teach you about it. I can, show you, I can show it to you in the scripture, but I can't have an experience with grace for you. Right, and I hope you didn't come here to be entertained. I hope you came here this morning to encounter the living God, but I can't do that for you. I also know, this is the second thing that I felt like God put in my heart, was that, that he's, his grace that he's poured out is sufficient. Whatever it is, whether you're legalistic, whether you are so jacked up and nobody in this room knows about it, his grace is sufficient. He has lavished his grace upon you. As in he wasn't stingy. He didn't use it sparingly. He poured out all that you would ever need. And the last thing is that that grace can, it just might set you free. Like uh, the, the amount of grace that you're gonna walk in is the amount that you're gonna choose to surrender to him. So you choose. You choose how much grace you're gonna operate in coming out of this moment this morning. We have seven minutes left for this morning. I just want to pray for just a moment and then I'm going to, Caden's going to sing a song. I don't know what he's going to sing. I don't know what he's going to do, but this is, it's kind of his element. This is what he loves the most. Hey, sing a random song. Okay, I got you. Um, but I think right now, I just I want to talk to the church specifically. I say, man, are you, are you open to letting go some of that legalism today? Are you open to letting go some of that pharisaical spirit today and just in this moment, cry out desperately for God again? He's the one who's made you. He's the one who's transformed you. He's the one who holds your future in his hands. It's not the other way around. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd come. Even right now, if you're comfortable, would you just kind of posture your your body in a position of agreement? Throw your hands out in front of you. You can cup your hands. Holy Spirit, we're desperate for you. God, may there be no boasting in this room. May we know that not only our salvation, but who we're becoming in you is is completely because of your grace. It's a gift that we did not earn. It is something we don't deserve, but you've given it freely. And so would we surrender to you this morning, Jesus.